The Way to Glory is produced by CT Creative Studio in collaboration with Revelation Media and The Pilgrim's Progress. The movie, coming to theaters Easter weekend. For more information, keep listening or go to revelationmedia.com. A world away and still not far Like fabric woven into ours the dawn and shout out through the night and day is coming soon the journey of the christian life is a precarious undertaking full of setbacks failures and disappointments john bunyan's pilgrim's progress offers an unflinching look at the spiritual and emotional dangers we face along the way to the cross and eternal life in the celestial city Each week on The Way to Glory, we'll be following the story's protagonist, Christian, in another chapter on that journey. This week we interrogate Talkative, a master of theological jargon who really only impedes Christian's progress. Pastor and author Joe Thorne will help us parse the difference between talking about belief and living it. This is The Way to Glory, a Pilgrim's Progress podcast, presented by CT Creative Studio and Revelation Media. that I've run will be wise Have you ever thought about how fruitful your actual spiritual conversation is? I mean, we all talk about spiritual truths. We all work out piercing dialogues between Christian friends and family, something we often call fellowship or maybe small group meetings. But do those things really transform our lives? Is it easier to keep those exchanges brief and surface level, to linger on maybe theological subject matter or easy aphorisms that are easy to manage in theory and not practice? Hi, I'm your host, Richard Clark. Even a prolific author like John Bunyan, who's written and preached words could stack up to the sky, was acutely aware of the limits of those words. In fact, he spent a whole chapter of Pilgrim's Progress exposing how religious expression could really just come across as all talk. This week we talked to Joe Thorne. He's an author. He's a preacher. Full disclosure, he's my pastor. He's known for plenty of his own written and spoken words. But he's also known for his willingness to speak his mind, even when others may not agree. Shakespeare's terrible. <laughs> I, I read... I read. 17th century And the Beatles are overrated. Oh, the Beatles. The Beatles, the world would be better if we could take the Beatles and Shakespeare and put them in a box and put them in the basement of Christianity today and forget about them. Thorne's not one of the church kids who had this story passed down to him from prior generations. And he's not the type to be beholden to any work just because it's considered a classic. But he does appreciate John Bunyan, and it's for a pretty personal reason. I like this guy. He had the crazy mustache, and he uh, and he's telling this story of a of a of a long arduous struggle, and just the the idea that that Bunyan presents an epic adventure as the essence of the Christian life. And as a new Christian, I was experiencing that. I mean, I didn't raise, I wasn't raised in the church, so it was very experiential and very experimental. And I kept discovering new things like Christian and the other characters do as they go through the story. 
He may not have realized it at the time, but it was that story of the character talkative that would stick with him for the rest of his life. Christian and uh, and Faithful are, are on their journey. They encounter Mr. Talkative. Faithful didn't know who Mr. Talkative was. Christian said, He is known to all that are acquainted with him by the name of Talkative, a pratting row, and, notwithstanding his fine tongue, he is but a sorry fellow. Faithful said, Well, he seems to be a very pretty man. Christian said, Your saying that he is a pretty man brings to my mind what I have observed in the work of a painter whose pictures show best at a distance, but very near, more unpleasing. Talkative, of course, loves to talk. He loves to talk uh, in particular about spiritual things or things that relate to the spiritual life. Uh, He wants to talk about theology and Bible and all of these things. He will initiate that. Uh, He's also very responsive. He will adapt to what other people are saying. So when Faithful will sometimes push back on some of the things that Talkative will say, and then Talkative will, will come back around and change kind of his tune because that's the kind of person that he is. And Faithful begins to be taken in by Talkative because he talks a good game. He knows the language. He understands how to, how to carry the conversation. He really is a conversationalist, but ultimately for all the wrong reasons. Faithful said, Come on then, and let us go together, and let us spend our time in discoursing of things that are profitable. To be profited by such things in our talk should be our chief design. Talkative said, I will talk of things heavenly or things earthly, things moral or things evangelical, things sacred or things profane, righteousness, etc. Besides, by this a man may learn what it is to repent, to believe, to pray, to suffer, or the like. By this also a man may learn what are the great promises and consolations of the gospel. Farther, by this a man may learn to refute false opinions, to vindicate the truth, and also to the necessity of the new birth, the insufficiency of our works, the need of Christ's righteousness, etc. Faithful goes to Christian and he goes, this guy's awesome. (laughs) This guy, I love this guy. This guy's going to join us. Now did Faithful begin to wonder, and stepping to Christian, for he walked all his while by himself, said to him, but softly, What a brave companion we have got. Surely this man will make a very excellent pilgrim. Everybody knows who this guy is. He is a talker, not a doer. He has a reputation of of saying one thing but doing another. He's not a good person. He's not a good man. At this, Christian modestly smiled and said, This man with whom you are so taken will beguile with this tongue of his, twenty of them that know him not. He talketh of prayer, of repentance, of faith, and the new birth, but he knows but only to talk of them. He is the very stain, reproach, and shame of religion to all that know him. Romans 2, 24, 25 Good men are ashamed of him, They neither call him brother nor friend. The very naming of him among them makes them blush if they know him. Uh, Faithful is hearing Christian explain, like, I know this guy. Everybody knows him. I'm surprised you don't know this guy. You can't, you know, you don't want to roll with him. And uh, and at first, Faithful's like, I don't know, man. This guy really does talk a good game. He's he's, he's kind of kept, kind of taken in by him. And then over time, as the conversation continues, he says, okay, Christian, you obviously know I'm going to trust you. And... He says, so what do I do? How do I get rid of this guy? And Christian's like, oh, you want to get rid of him? Here's how you get rid of him. Uh, Go back and start the conversation up and go directly to experience and uh, obedience. 
Mm-hmm. Don't don't let them just talk about it. Yeah. Make the subject of the conversation the necessary effect of saving faith, essentially. Right. Faithful said, How doth the saving grace of God discover itself when it is in the heart of man? Talkative said, First, where the grace of God is in the heart, it causeth there a great outcry against sin. Secondly, Faithful said, Nay, hold, let us consider of that one at once. Do you experience this first part of the description of it, and doth your life and conversation testify the same? Or standeth your religion in word or tongue, and not in deed and truth? Then talkative at first began to blush. Yeah, he ain't having it. <laughs> talkative ain't does not want to have that conversation. And of course, he gets defensive, like we all do, uh, when we're confronted on, on our sin or on our hypocrisy, and, uh, and they part ways. Thorne's encounter with the Pilgrim's Progress and Christian faith itself didn't spring from tradition and heritage. Still, he found himself caught in that same cycle that a lot of us do, especially when we start to focus on Bible knowledge. Uh, I was talkative in Bible college. I became this Reformed Baptist guy who loved to talk and argue and fight and be a jerk. And... uh, well, I just I, I I wanted to know the answers and I wanted to engage in conversation all the time. But what wasn't happening was I wasn't experiencing the truths that I was talking about all the time, uh, that I was arguing about all the time. Um, piety in my life, there wasn't a rich sense of piety. Uh, when I read the Bible, it was just a footnote what I was talking about. Um, there wasn't much communion with God. I was talkative, and it took God. He took his time in convicting me and smashing all of that. I can relate to this, too. When you're in seminary or when you're just focused on studying the Bible in that way, what you're really focused on is knowledge. You're trying to get to the bottom of the true thing and what's objective truth. And what you think about less is how it affects your life and how to live it out, especially in in those communities where people are studying the Bible. You're sort of one-upping each other, like how much does everyone know? And so at that point, your conversations start to become, they turn into something that sounds very much like the conversation between talkative and faithful. I got converted, and it was Bible, community, evangelism, prayer, all the time, nonstop, for three years. It was wonderful. Then I went to Bible college. And my spiritual life tanked. That's on me. It's not on the Bible college. That's right, on me. Right. And and I I loved. I stopped loving reading the Bible. I was systematic theology, biblical theology. It was it was all of these other disciplines that should have been a support to my faith, uh, but they became um, a, a supplement to my faith, and then they supplanted my faith. Right. It was like that was what I became about. I should point out that it's not talking about Scripture or even learning about Scripture that's the problem here. It's how we react to it. If we're reacting to the knowledge of Scripture and to talking about Scripture as an end— I'm going to go a step further and say that we all tend to be talkative at some point in time. You know, we all get defensive about what we do and don't know about the Bible, and we all like to keep things surface level. Throughout the book, but especially here, find a lot of good in talking about things. And even those of us who are introverted, who don't like to talk to a lot of people, can find ourselves keeping our relationships on the surface. So it's not that all talk is bad. In fact, deep discussion can be the cure for a shallow grasp of the truth. 
But sometimes it can be hard to tell whether you're on a helpful winding road of conversation or an empty road of spiritual chatter that leads to nowhere. Do you find yourself getting defensive about the possibility that you are talkative? Then you're probably talking. <laughs> totally. totally. Talkative, talkative was not having it. This kind of discourse I did not expect, nor am I disposed to give an answer to such questions. Because I count not myself bound thereto, unless you take upon yourself to be a catechizer, and though you should so do, yet I may refuse to make you my judge. Since you are so ready to take up reports, and to judge so rashly as you do, I cannot but conclude you are some peevish or melancholy man, not fit to be discoursed with, and so adieu. So, I bid you adieu! (laughs) Good day, sir! Good day. The Way to Glory is produced in partnership with Revelation Media in anticipation of their upcoming film, The Pilgrim's Progress, coming to theaters Easter weekend. I spoke with producer and writer Steve Cleary about his hopes and visions for the film and why he would take the step of making a movie about one of the most beloved stories in the English language. People love that story, and anytime there's an adaptation, there's the risk of people not liking it. Was this something that haunted you at all? No. I really think we got the story right. I really think the script is right. I'm proud of it. So what haunts me is is I want the animation to be worthy of the story. But I wish I could do it better. But I tell you, if somebody gave me $20 million and said, here, make a film exactly the way you want it, animated, I wouldn't do it. I would say, no. I said, I'll make four, just like Pilgrim's Progress. Because you want to know why? Because what's a B to you is an A plus to them. And they're the ones that deserve the content. You know, we, we probably made 40 movies in the U.S. before we make one for the mission field. I'd like to see that change. To partner in their efforts in translation and distribution, and to download a free animated Pilgrim's Progress ebook, go to revelationmedia.com. So there's this moment where Joe is telling me why he's grown to appreciate the Pilgrim's Progress more over the course of his life and It was interesting how the principles that we're talking about here today sort of played out in real time in this moment, too. I asked him a key question after he tells me his personal experience with the Pilgrim's Progress. Ultimately, what Faithful does best is he goes to the concrete thing. Like, what is the concrete thing in your life? What is the experiential thing? What is the the implication on your life, talkative, of these things? I'm curious for you sort of to bring it back to your story, was there a moment where someone came to you and sort of forced you to suddenly go concrete and made you realize in some ways that you were talkative? Yep. So I had guys that were confronting my sins very specifically, and I needed somebody to essentially show me uh, where the truths that I love are actually now making me uncomfortable. And it wasn't the idea of the truth itself, because I I was in favor of the truth, right? These doctrines. I wasn't pushing back against them ideologically. But when I saw that they demanded something of me, that was the concrete. That was where I realized, okay, I'm actually not uncomfortable with the truth. I'm uncomfortable with the truth and what it's supposed to do in me because it's not doing that thing. The more you experience death and pain and loss and sin and frustration, the more you value the destination. If you experience the pain of suffering and of death, of persecution, you will long for the end. 
And I don't just mean uh, lights out. I mean for Christ to return or for heaven, uh, for the new heavens and new earth, for the resurrection. You will long for the end, which is the beginning of eternity. Um, so I think there is... Uh, a num- there are a number of things that move us to. I kept asking him for concrete examples in his own life, and he kept referencing this royal we. So is, uh, this is someone not just aware of how we can use spiritual language evasively, but he was actually expounding on that lesson in the moment. The beautiful means of grace to help us deal with the concrete uh, in ways that uh, are are actually. Now, cathartic and beneficial, right? This is why this is why the Bible can say again and again, "Oh, your affliction that's going to be used for your good." In fact, you can't be the mature, healthy, joyful person you're supposed to be without the affliction and the pain and the suffering. Without that, you can't get there. You can't get there unless that's the path. But so the concrete is sometimes a rough concrete that we um, have to deal with. The unfortunate circumstances that we sometimes find ourselves in. Once you try to make it personal, once you, once you want to go beyond the words but to the works, that's when you begin to see there's a problem. Why does it take three circles around the same question to give a personal answer to a personal question? To stop speaking in generalities when talking about their uselessness? I mean, I can answer that because I relate. Sometimes when someone asks you a real question, you don't know if they mean it or you don't know if they want to hear it. Sometimes the answer can be dark. Sometimes you feel like you're protecting them as much as you're protecting yourself. I'm not convinced that Joe Thorne thought you wanted to hear the answer to the question. I think he thought we wanted to hear another lesson from Pilgrim's Progress, and that would make sense. That's why I had him on the show. But when it comes down to it, I think we have to stop protecting ourselves and each other from truth. And that includes the truth of our lives and how we plan to live it out. Sometimes it's the particulars of our life that can actually benefit others the most, especially when they articulate the ways in which we are living out theological truths. So let's ask one more time. What has in your life led you to sort of like realize that the destination matters so much? Uh, for me personally, the the suffering and the sickness of my parents. I care for them. They uh, they live in our house, and um, to see Huntington's disease taking its toll on my father, uh, dementia, and uh, multiple strokes taking their toll on my mother. That makes me long for heaven. They have become believers. They've trusted in Christ, and I want them to be liberated. Um, When I see um, the the effect that sin has in my own life, my own struggles, my own repeated failures, um, it makes me want Jesus to come back because I because when I'm thinking right, when I'm feeling the right way, my sin is more painful to me now than it was ten years ago. Even if I've overcome some of those sins, right? Uh, even if I'm no longer doing what I used to do uh, in, in the same way or whatever, uh, the sins that I have are more painful to me than ever. I need Jesus to come back. It's, it's, it's not just that I want him to, I do, but I need him to come back because that's when redemption is complete. So I, there's a sense in which I'm incomplete. Even when we're not being put on the spot for a podcast audience, pain is real and often hard to disclose. Keeping something to ourselves isn't always sinful, but a lot of times 
we are sinful in hiding things, in hiding from accountability or even hanging on to the rawness of our pain and suffering rather than dealing with a God who cares in front of others. And by the way, God cares through the community of believers and Christ-centered relationships we often prefer to keep at arm's length. Why is it hard? Yeah. Yeah, because we're sinful and uh, our minds are, are finite and we're dealing with these eternal mysteries. I think it's hard because the idea itself on a basic level is easy enough to grasp, even if, whether you agree with it or not. It's harder than to apply it to your life in a way that requires something of you. That's just naturally a harder thing. We can and we should be intentional about our conversation. Whether or not we know that revealing ourselves will be received well. Sometimes we will encounter a brick wall or apathy or judgment. But that's the risk we're asked to take. I've been talking a lot on this podcast about other people. Talking about Christian or talkative or faithful or hopeful. But what's harder is for me to talk about my insufficiency as a father and the ways that I doubt myself at work. The times that I'm tempted to lie when it gets me out of a jam or when it makes me look good. It's easier for me to talk to you about abstract truths related to fictional characters. Kingdom I see. And sometimes just by asking people those questions, does this produce any emotion that you would consider a negative emotion and why? What does this truth require of me? What should I be doing practically and tangibly? So I just ask a lot of questions and I'll just let the silence lay there for an awkward amount of time. The most important times for us to talk are those awkward moments when it's hard to find the words, the long pauses, when words are few. We're all struggling with this, whether we talk a lot or not. We struggle with the same attributes of this character, talkative. It can be hard for us to move beyond the shallow and to speak openly and clearly about our own depths and about the ways in which the Bible is impacting us and not impacting us. We're scared of each other, and we're even scared of God. And so we keep that stuff inside. Anytime anyone is talking in any conversation, you're going to see signs of that. You're going to see struggle to get to the concrete and the real. We just have to be patient with each other. You have to ask the question a few times. There's a river we will know Ever clear and ever full from the fount that overflows in the light of the king. Join me for another chapter of The Way to Glory next week. Subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are found. If you like the show, leave us a review. Information on how you can watch and support Revelation Media's upcoming movie, The Pilgrim's Progress, can be found at revelationmedia.com. This episode was written and produced by myself, Richard Clark, and Cray Allred. Narration by Marissa Torado. Theme music is Shadows of the Dawn by The Grey Havens from their album Ghost of a King. Additional music by The Grey Havens and Sweeps. And I'm still that far.